0: He with a quick swing pass. It's Keith Mitchell on the sideline across midfield. It's a foot race. And Keith Mitchell has gone. And Hooker can't take a sack. Double clutches. Throws. It is caught. Do they get the timeout? Through McCoy. All kinds of time. Gonna take a shot deep middle. what's going on everybody this is chris k from the burning the red shirt podcast here with andrew katz uh excited to talk a little bit championship weekend football one of the better slates of the season talk a little bit about portal news obviously and uh a big surprise moment we're going to do this weekend andrew i'll let you kick it off with what, what what are we doing this weekend what are we doing sunday
1: dude this is exciting so we uh We've gotten. I think it's not just from a single source. We've gotten feedback from multiple people in the past that our our vibes, the way that that we kind of run things when when we pod, is kind of akin to what you would uh, expect if you tuned into a Twitter Spaces. Like one, and we're getting into Twitter Spaces season two right now, right? Where like you remember like that legendary Oregon one that went for like three days uh, and people were just popping in when they were trying to figure out their next coach, right? So. Um, so it is Twitter Spaces season, but we are we are going to host our first ever Twitter Spaces for burning the red shirt uh, Sunday night. Thinking around eight PM, bowl game announcements should be going on. Uh, it'll it should be a fun a fun climate, a fun atmosphere. Uh, if people want to just kind of pop in, and there'll be a zillion different things to talk about. If if it ends up just being us, that's fine. I mean, we we I'm not starved for. For topics to talk about amongst uh, you, me, and Zach, so that's that's straight. But I think it could be fun to just as uh, to uh, to just talk talk about a bunch of different things with a bunch of different people and just kind of bounce off the ideas off each other and uh, do some cool stuff until uh, the night gets old. So it'll be fun. Yeah, I
0: think it'll be, yeah, it should be fun. I think the bowl games. There's always like the fun bowl matchups you love. Like when they announce it, you know, like where the hell is that game being played again? Uh, So I think we'll have plenty of topics, and I think especially since the portal technically opens on Monday, right? Like, isn't that, like, the official day that people can start, like, officially committing to places, right? sounds right. Sunday or Monday, one or the other, but we'll get a lot more action at that point, but um, I guess real quick, I don't, we don't usually like to talk too much about, like, the games ahead of us. I feel like our best stuff is just, like, the most random stuff, not necessarily, like, talk about this matchup, but, like... The it, saturday is supposed to be like this amazing weekend of games and i think largely there is a bunch of there are a bunch of ton, uh, a bunch of games that are fun to watch it should be it should be pretty cool but does it lose its luster with basically three teams locked into the playoffs you think TCU is locked in? i think so yeah it, only the, because the betting LSU markets, lost think, so too. The betting markets
1: think so too i was shocked when I, I was like perusing fanduel odds last night and they're you can right now one of the markets that you could bet is just yes or no. Will this team make the playoffs? And I think if the two teams they have are TCU and Alabama, Alabama is like basically eight to one. Yes. Or minus uh, like two or 300. Uh, no, but they're not going to, the idea is they're not going to make it. But TCU is like the exact opposite there. It's like plus, or like my, no, like minus, minus like, some 200 or something. Yes. And then like plus 800, no, or something crazy. Or, um, I just don't don't know. I I think I screw up. I screw up the plus and minus horribly, but the idea, the sentiment is that if you were to bet, no, you're getting like eight to one on them, not making it, which sounds outrageous to me. Like if they lose, I feel like the committee is going to be like, let's go, let's kick this team out. Let's bring in a a team that appeals more to the, to the masses, quote unquote, right. Uh, like a, a bigger market type team. Um, but what do you what vibe are you getting? And what do you think actually happens there?
0: I think they're locked in, they've played too hard of a schedule, like they haven't played like the, the most insane. Colorado, schedule. Colorado
1: really uh stuck out to you.
0: <laughs> well, you know, better than a lot of the teams Michigan's played per yeah. everybody else. So I don't know when you're 12 and 0 and you win the Big 12, like that doesn't necessarily lock you in. But considering all the other teams, right? Like who is going to jump them, right? It would be Ohio State or LSU or Bama, like LSU. If LSU wouldn't have lost last week, and I think there's a real shot because then you know right now LSU beats Georgia and they're still out. But last week, this time they could have beaten Georgia and made it in as an 11 and two team. That's not the case anymore. So I just think the teams have fallen off, and thus they're just the last man standing in a sense.
1: You think that they'll put TCU in over Ohio State if TCU loses?
0: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> how can you say that one? a straight phase? Well, how bad did Ohio State look against Michigan, right? It's not like it that's it's gonna be,
1: we're gonna be so far removed by that by the time this this uh, this nice uh, fun slate goes through on Saturday, right? Once all the dust is settled there, I think Ohio State what they the what what actually occurred on the field last Saturday against Michigan is gonna be in distant rearview mirror, and that everyone's gonna be more or less prepared to think about. Ohio State through the prism of their resume unless less so what occurred in the, the third and fourth quarters of the Michigan game.
0: I think Ohio State's kind of looked blah though right like they, have. they didn't yeah, look I mean I Northwestern was weather related whatever that's fine but like a bunch of other games they've looked very average.
1: Do you think the committee cares or do they just want to put Ohio State in?
0: I think they'd love to put Ohio State in for sure yeah I just think I just think they, the committee's probably like, come on, like we just needed a little bit more out of you to make this happen, but <laughs> this is too much of a stretch now, you know, like they can't get away with it. But
1: it's it's one two one loss teams. I think they can and will get away with it.
0: Well, then you're penalizing uh, TCU for playing an extra game. Like that feels like they, a little They've been fun unfair, doing right? that in
1: the past. I feel like.
0: Well, didn't TCU get screwed like the first playoff by Ohio State making it in?
1: Yeah, but there was There's, no Big 12 title game that year.
0: Yeah. So there's precedence for a Big Twelve champ to, or a Big Twelve team to get yeah, jumped thanks. by Ohio State because Baylor was in the same situation too, right? Didn't they get jumped? But right. Do you think there's any shot LLC beats Georgia? There's no. none, right? No.
1: I was trying to think about. So this slate is so fun, and just from a DFS perspective, even though I just I never win on it ever. Um, I I don't know. It's like the, I'm so ha- I'm so ready for the reset of. DFS for bowl purposes, but I always end up playing this slate just because it's a, like it's an all day slate. It's super fun, but I'm at a huge disadvantage just based on how I make lineups. And I know I'm going to end up lighting money, money on fire, but I'll make a bunch of uh, cheap $1 lineups just to kind of scratch the edge and go from there. But um, how do you do historically on the slate? Do you usually do I?
0: It's all the same. You know, like you just you play, I play a bunch of lineups and I either i have to have one lineup hit big or i just either like win or lose 200 bucks <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's either i win three thousand dollars or 200 bucks or lose 200 bucks like it just doesn't ever these are interesting slates um there's a the pricing's you know,
1: always like, really good on this like it's it's i always feel like it's tight on the slate
0: this one's really good i think fridays is bad fridays is oh really yeah bad. it's awful. but but saturdays is fun and i think there's a lot of options. It's like they put everybody around the same price. Yeah. Like if you look at running backs on Saturday, like everybody is six to seven k, and all of them are good options. So it's almost like, okay, which one of these do you want? Which I think is good, which is appealing. Um, but you know, the Mac game always scares me in a slate like this.
1: Can I get your opinion on? Uh, so I, I've been starting to just try to abstractly think about what direction I want to take, and. Do you think Hayner and AOC will be low owned, and are they potentially good contrarian plays or just bad plays?
0: I think AOC is a bad play and will be low owned. I think Hayner will be low owned, but I think I can see a route to him being good. Like, is
1: Michigan's pasty that good?
0: I mean, their overarching defense is very good. They gave yeah, up a but- bunch of yards and stuff to to um. Ohio State, but it's Ohio it State, counts, you know. Yes. Um, but
1: he, he's 5,700, and he's going to throw it 50 times.
0: Yeah, but he's got one receiver.
1: <laughs> and Durham. You know, like,
0: you know, when you're Ohio State, you have three to four legitimate options. Yeah, right? I, like I is a legitimate option. data
1: point I know, but,
0: State's You know, so looking at Purdue, their team total is like 17, and – they just don't have a lot of like what are you what is Michigan defensively worried about? Devin Maccabee? Like they're not gonna be pounding eight in the eight in the box because they're yeah. so worried about Maccabee, right? So then you have more guys in coverage. So I don't know. I wouldn't I personally would not I don't think I'm touching that Purdue offense. I'd rather there's a bunch of other ones, right? I'd rather look at Fresno State against Boise State. Yeah. Um better total. I think there's that perception that Boise State's defense is awesome, but right, you know, I was thinking that too. Cooper, like, I got real hot in that second half, <laughs> yeah. didn't he? I mean, the guy yeah, all of yeah. a sudden was throwing bombs. He was. They turned it on in second quarter.
1: quarters. It was good.
0: He used his legs a little bit. What? It, by the way, what is his haircut? Have you, his mm-hmm. hair just flows out the back, and it's not like uh, it doesn't have any like. In East Cobb, Atlanta, we call that like wings, like the preppy white boy wings, <laughs> where the hair fl- you know flips up. Um, it doesn't do that. It's just like real. It looks like real straight and scraggly and just yeah. straight down. It's very interesting. Look, he's kind of like he's rocking a mullet almost. That's yeah. my takeaway it, it, from that game.
1: He's the so,
0: man. Uh, you know what game kind of stinks is this Clemson North Carolina game. I think both teams are like super struggling. Drake May's been awful or too bad in the last couple of weeks. Like yeah. DJU is DJU, but well, clemson amazing of,
1: Aren't you afraid of fading it too? At the same time, like both teams have been terrible offensively. But DJU against that defense and Shipley against that defense, and then like what if the North Carolina offense just plays like it did the first eleven weeks of the year? Then it's like scary to to fade them as well, but. If things just continue in the same direction that they have been, those teams have been awful.
0: Yeah. I don't I, what, I, I don't know what to do with it. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared at this current point. Anytime I have to use a lot of DJU, I'm very scared, but <laughs> I think he's a legitimate option against North Carolina. On the other side too, you're right. Like the matchup is tough. Although Clemson's not as tough as they used to be defensively. They're still very good. And, but Clem- you know, North Carolina has got like the best potential upside of an offense on the slate conceivably right so like how do you not how do you not do that so i don't know i think those are two struggling teams that are fake good i like to call it like you're
1: even gonna throw to the one collins is hurt the other collins just went in the portal antonio williams catches five for 40 every game that's not interesting mm-hmm. i don't even and so do you just stack dju and shipley
0: Together. I don't. I'm not. I don't ever stack DJU just because like none of the receivers are any good in my opinion. Yeah. Like you said, like Williams is maybe the most talented, and he only gets <clears> for like 40 yards a game. I would just go naked, and I wouldn't have a problem if they have if both are in the same lineup because Shipley is good out of the backfield. But yeah. both of them are like very doable prices. Yeah, he's yeah. super cheap. It came out of nowhere. Is CJ Harris the Ohio quarterback? Did you watch that <laughs> action?
1: Yeah. I um I, I was looking so good in that one. but I didn't have him in wiggles and all of a sudden all my lineups that were near the top were at the bottom after he started going off in like the late second quarter. So I stopped watching at that point.
0: Yeah, he was uh he was pretty good. I mean, like it wasn't below UOA numbers, like the passing obviously wasn't, but he was like twelve for sixty and three rushing touchdowns, which is nice. He's super cheap. Nothing is probably more scarier than the Toledo quarterback situation. Last weekend, I had I saw that uh Finn was playing, so I put him in like twenty percent of my lineups, and then like immediately regretted it. Did you Did you watch (laughs) our Lord and Savior game? He
1: he got hurt, right?
0: He was hurt the whole time. He looked awful, like (laughs) legitimately awful. If you told me he was concussed, I would have believed it. Like every pass was bad, every run was nowhere. He was making bad decisions. Everything was late. So, and then down the other side of it, you get Tucker Gleason running the football ball on his left hand, which also he had surgery on two weeks ago. So I can't, by the way, that just shows you how different those guys are than us. Like Tucker Gleason had hand surgery to repair a broken bone two weeks ago and played. I threw my back out and I'm 34. <laughs> <laughs> picking up groceries and i haven't worked out since like what a different world we both you know gleason and i live in
1: i know man it's unfair so, you know gleason's from you he uh transferred in from your neck of the woods right really he said he went to georgia tech originally
0: i thought he was for some reason i thought he was a true freshman but
1: I yeah i think he's a like a third sense. year freshman at this point
0: i love that i love that yeah, it's him. great Speaking of uh, transfers, what kind of portal news have you been loving? What's like the one or two guys <laughs> that have piqued your most interest?
1: I feel like so many uh, of the the guys that were going early to mid rounds in our best balls and just didn't see the fielder now winding up in the portal, which is validating to some degree, right? It makes you think, oh, we were like – it wasn't just us imagining that these guys have uh, expectations – surrounding them and talent about them. Right. It, it didn't work out this year and now they want to actually see it work out in the future. So it's not like we just imagined that these guys had potential, that potential just wasn't realized this year. And now, so Byron Card well, for instance, right. Like, uh, whatever happened, what, I don't know if it was a benching or what, but he's, he's not satisfied with not seeing the field whatsoever at Oregon and wants to go try and make something better of it. Um, Did you see Sean Tyler just went to the portal?
0: Sean Tyler, Kyron Drones as well. Did he? Yeah. We have some interesting names, some like, yeah, I don't think Sean Tyler fits this mold, but like Drones and uh, Malik Hornsby are these like guys that are like, they could totally blow up the CFF world or they could complete 40% of passes and be done by week three next season. (laughs) I think uh, I think there's some intriguing options for sure. What about your boy uh Davis Bryn?
1: I think uh G Kenny ends up getting the Tulsa job and he go he just goes back from the portal and goes back to Tulsa and then throws for 50 touchdowns next year.
0: Kenny is from a smaller school, right? FCS. Kenny is
1: at uh Incarnate Word.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. FCS. So he took over
1: for the, the – he took over that – like I guess it was probably like a ready-made package surrounding what Cam, Cameron Ward did last year, right? So Ward and Eric Morris go to Washington State. Kenny comes in. I don't know if – have you been seeing on Twitter like the name Lindsey Scott? you familiar? I don't think so, no. Really? So he's like a seventh-year senior quarterback. He started out at – I think he's been at Missouri, LSU, definitely at least one of those two. And now he's at Incarnate Ward, and he threw for 50 scores for Kenny this year. Uh, so I don't know how much of that is Kenny's doing versus like plug and play of the previous regime, just kind of, but whatever. But I mean, depending on what Tulsa's looking for, right, how fun would that be to just bring a guy that uh, engineered that offense uh, last year over, get Bryn back out of the portal, and then let's go. Bryn, dude, I'm sure you remember, it wasn't that long ago, how good was Bryn looking before he like, he busted up his shoulder this past year? It was happening. Like we were, it was at the yeah, point where he, like, he was a priority. He was a priority play against the o- Ole Miss in like week four uh, in TFF. He
0: had, a, I think, he had like twelve touchdowns in like the first four games, and he ended with seventeen. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I think it was the shoulder. I mean, who knows? I mean, you gotta think that continuing on with that conference, there's a lot of points scored, and he's fine. But he just completely got stopped. By that injury and then Braxton and then the the splitting and this was bad
1: yeah I, I chalked uh, it up to the injury but that's what I think happens with him he's coming back home, back back uh the QB the GJ Kenny offense
0: that that guy I just looked it up had 50 touchdowns to four interceptions like five <laughs> uh Lindsey Scott he was like 5'11 2'10 yeah. um for I want to I think Davis Brynn was probably the perfect example of like Guys, it's day one of offseason. Like, let's not overhype and get too crazy about where Davis Brin could go. And I think we we see that a little bit more with these like FCS guys that like do great, put up insane numbers, and then people are like, Oh, this would be a great guy for so it's kind of reminds me of like Cody Schrader. Do you think FCS guys are gonna have any, like generally speaking, maybe because we don't know that much about any of them really? Do you think there's going to be one or two that could pop up and be like actually very good in G5 or Power 5 teams? Or is yeah. it just kind of like a... So
1: yeah. I think me personally, one of the things that I want to do this offseason is come up with a better decision tree and process surrounding transfers in general. Uh, if I haven't done it exhaustively, but just thinking off the top of my head looking back at the transfers I drafted this year and how it played out, they were all like, they were all terrible. <laughs> so wow. I, I don't know. I don't know if I need better criteria for trying to figure out which one transfer transfers more likely to hit or, or what, but the idea that it's plug and play just because it's so prominent probably isn't, um, valid fa- way to factor that into sh- for strategic purposes. Um, did you so in terms of FCS Scott, so Cody Schrader ended up being way better than I thought he would be? I thought he would just be a flash in the pan. the And it's not not to say he was amazing, but he he's was playable. Yeah, exactly. Um, which and I mean good for him. That's awesome. Uh the name from the FCS ranks that just that stood out to me was that dude from Austin P Pe- uh Dre McCray. So I he, 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 yeah, he was yeah. he's legit, right? He was on like one of the slates
0: this year. He was on the week zero slate, and he played really well. I think (laughs) he's probably the most likely, like, that type, right? Like a very productive receiver, like a gadgety a little bit, because he's not the biggest of guys, but he'd have to go G5. Yeah,
1: most likely. That could be fun.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see where these guys go, too. Like, does he get a big head and try to – he's from Tallahassee. Does he try to go to – to FSU or did he just kind of say, you know what, like maybe I can just crush it at Arkansas state, you know, like how, how high of these sites are we going to see from these guys? But um, I had had an idea, a thought, Oh, I wanted to circle back to the running backs. I was thinking about that this morning because I had tweeted it out and I want your, your answer here in a minute. You know, who, who is the biggest miss of the off season? And I thought about all the running backs that I had drafted or saw drafted that did nothing like Tay McWilliams, Christopher Brooks, Kamar Wheaton, um, all those guys, Brandon Campbell, like all those guys, a lot of transfers included. And I'm wondering, like uh, Nathaniel Pete was a good example of like, these are all running backs that like haven't won the job and we fought over which one would be the right one. And like none of them are the right one.
1: So Do you, you think that's I like going to be a show, common theme? Our, our, our first you and me show, I think we called out, or I I called out why okay. I hate it pretty much everyone you mentioned. And even still all the running backs that I drafted early sucked um, for different reasons. Travion, Tavion Thomas, I was, I have had way too much of him. Um, what's his name? Braden Bennett that worked out really well. Um, so running back largely across the board, the, the early ones that I that I was, Grabbing as often as I could, I guess Charbonnet worked out well, but, uh, and, and I was, I got a decent amount of, uh, Dwayne McBride, but largely that was towards like the, the tail end of draft season. Um, but running back, generally speaking, I didn't draft enough in quantity and the fact that the ones that I drafted more often when I had the chance to not working out, just kind of torpedoed so many of my teams.
0: Yeah, it's like you – not only did you not nail it, you also didn't have a lot of them to to right. back it up. Maybe yeah. that's something to think about is like when you have – when you're taking these types of players, like get you an extra one or two. In terms of running backs for me, I named a bunch. You know, Mick Williams and Brooks were guys that I was taking everywhere. Um, but I did hit on two of them really nicely. I was very proud of – I had a ton of Blake Corum and I had a ton of Travis Dye. And I thought Die was like the most obvious – like, why would you not want a USC running back with Lincoln Riley? But who is your biggest miss? I listed mine was Brendan Armstrong and then also uh, said Tay McWilliams. was not a guy I was, like, banging the drum on. I wasn't, like, tweeting all about him. I had a couple tweets out there, but, like, I have him in a ton of drafts, so I counted them. So what about you?
1: Generally, I reserve content like this for Uh But I guess – let's but doing one by each position or a couple by each position, Evan Prater and Chandler Morris. I, I was so, I was so maybe it's just stubbornness more than anything else, but I was so beholden to the sentiment that I, I don't want to handcuff in best ball uh, fr- through the lens of, we only get 20, 25, 30, maybe rounds of picks. So much is going to inherently go wrong. That's outside of our control to begin with whether it be injuries, players transferring, players just not winning starting jobs, suspensions. Why do I need to light one of my 20, 25, 30 picks on fire through a handcuffing process? Uh, the results did not bear that out as a good strategy. Uh, it would have been nice to, to, to handcuff Morris with Max Duggan. Uh, I have an awesome way. That I've, I've, I need to go for a long run at some point and get, my, uh, get a runner's high. To actually write my 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 end of season write up for Kyle's burner site, but I have the most awesome lead in to talk about it once I actually do. It's like all theorized up in my head, uh, but so but that for quarterbacks, those two are pretty good starters. Um, running back, I mean, Brady Bennett's the obvious one. That that so much of that feels like it's just what could I what was I supposed to do? Ask Chad. Well, hey, um, is there any chance that you're your all world track athlete, superstar uh, running back that's ready to break the F out is going to just be week to week for the first 11 weeks of the season. And you're not going to announce it because I would like to know that uh, anytime between April and September. Uh, and then receivers. I, t- I took so many transfer receivers uh, Tyler Harrell. That-, that was really fun. Um, Tyrone Tracy. I had some Brock Thompson, um, Jalen Robinson.
0: Yeah. You have any miles price?
1: Oh, way too much. That was a disaster. That ah, was, yeah. Up.
0: Everybody was in on that, though. <laughs> like, every, like, that's one that we can all sit back and just chuckle and be like, what the yeah, hell yeah, are you yeah. thinking? You know who I had a ton of receiver wise? Mac, Hippenhammer. It didn't, didn't, I guess it was pretty bad, right? It wasn't the best. He started off well. He had three great games and then yeah. he ended with three great games. But you can that blame Gabbert's
1: part, injury for that, though.
0: Yeah, that was brutal. You know what I was... I would have thought about this too with Brew McCoy. I was so dumb because I <laughs> I had a great... He, by the way, he ended with a pretty decent season. 48 catches, he, 600 yards. T- I mean, he got a lucky by health with Tillman, but like, that's kind of the name of the game. You, right? like that's that a, that's
1: It's a feather in your cap. That's a win.
0: I would say that I was dumb about it though because I was so convinced that that or the second receiver for Tennessee would be a great play. And so what I should have done when I didn't draft brew McCoy would be <laughs> Jalen Hyatt, but I never did. I had like two of them out of like 20. Yeah. What a I, like, dumb move. It. it was so dumb. I had it right. The process was right. And I just did not think that I could be wrong or that brew would be more of a three than a two, but whatever. So it's always fun to look back on it and i you know i tweeted it out just because it's and i started it because everybody got something wrong right like i could the funny thing is too that i think the two of us we could name everybody in the industry and be like this is who he got wrong this is who he got wrong this you know like each of them just because we all had those guys and everybody missed like 20 of them so
1: you know um I assume you've taken note that that Clint uh, Carlson took down the champion series, right? He does probably. I I don't know if it's the result of just uh, the way that he uh, lives his life and being in Canada or whatever. Sorry for doxing you, Clint. Uh, but or what? But he does the best job I feel like of protecting himself from the echo chamber of any of us. Like he he's in. I don't know why, but he's in our burning the red shirt discord. He's not in the CFF site one. Um, he doesn't do that many drafts and it's not, his engagement on Twitter is basically just tweeting out his own thoughtful insights. So he like everything he's doing, I feel like is just a result of his own research, which it is the, I think the best way of, of going about things in, when you're trying to navigate the CFF landscape, but it's also not as much fun. It's more fun to interact with people. It's more fun to do, to partake in things that are not boring, like mock drafts and, and such throughout the off season. It's more fun to be in uh, discords where Mike is posting news every five seconds. Right. But from a strategic per- perspective, I think that that is like the best way of kind of trying to, ensure that the things that you truly believe in and the conclusions that you have personally come to write themselves into your actual, uh, your draft process.
0: If you do the research that works, right? Yeah. Like if you could, if yeah. you pay attention this season, go into the off and this season and do research and read and stuff like that, it definitely works. But it's like you said, you lose that on the fun of like, of the, the battle, the debate of who's going to be good or not. And, all that stuff. I mean, that's what kind of gets us by for like eight months of the year. When are you, when do you foresee yourself doing your first mock draft next off season?
1: Are, is this a, a lead into that thing that you're roping me into?
0: No, that, that no, no,
1: Oh, so you mean, so I don't know. I'm like, I'm somewhat, I I'm on the fence about what I want to do in terms of off season, I want. I think. I in a lot of ways, I want to be more like Clint uh, and just be and just go in my own my own personal bunker. Uh, obviously, that's not the best for our our podcast enterprise, right? So maybe there's some give and take there. But I do feel like I I extended myself. I overextended myself a little bit last year. I also I think there's something to be said about letting the uh, the market set itself and then take it taking advantage of that. I I, I largely prioritize my own. Uh, personal and financial well-being over the content that we're creating and our business uh, and whatnot right so and definitely over uh, any of any of our uh, any of our uh customers is, is not the right word but anyone who listens to our podcast I definitely prioritize myself over any of them but uh to, <laughs> <At> to, <least laughs> to answer, answer the question I don't know I don't know I, I mean i I'd like to I don't know I, I'd like to k- kind of rethink about some of the things that i uh, I'm doing off season wise this year uh, for at minimum, the reason of I was not that successful. I was uh, with respect to like season long and best ball uh, this year. And I, I think when you don't get the results that you want, you have to think about, okay, what, what do I need to do a little differently?
0: Well, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take Andrew. So I think what we need to do is just continue to do best ball starting in February. That's just my yeah. thought.
1: I know. I mean, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw down throw down the die and be like, hey, I'm out. And then Greg is going to be like, oh, Champion Series starts up next week. And I'll be like, okay, where do I send the money?
0: Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about the early stuff is, like, everybody is so scared to, like, overdraft a guy, I think, <laughs> that, like, this, this uh, value chart of everybody becomes so skewed. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of a guy that was getting drafted super late. Like I,
1: dude, in I got Trey Palmer in the last round of one some of the early champion series.
0: Yeah. But then like if you think he's good, just draft him where you think he needs to be drafted. But it those are all the interesting ones are the early ones because you know, you feel like you get so scared. Like, I'm gonna take uh EJ Smith is now too early, is now too late, what just <laughs> happened. So and then like you make the pick and you're like okay, please don't have any Twitter notifications for the next 10 hours, because that means it wasn't a shitty pick.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, um, I don't know. Maybe we keep this episode a little short. What do you think? You got something you want to talk? I have one more uh, thought idea, and this circles back more to real life. I have kind of a hot... I don't want to say hot take, but a, a warmer take. I think Georgia, their best matchup is Michigan. Like, I think of the teams remaining, TCU, Michigan, USC, Ohio State. The team that they would that I think they would have the easiest time with or match up the best with is Michigan.
1: I don't know. Georgia's been so like <laughs> that they haven't been good since the Tennessee game. Like what I don't know what the f the first like 30% of the Georgia Tech game was this past weekend, but that was not that was not the standard. Um not to say that we can't just turn it up when we need to, as evidenced kind of by the Tennessee game, but there's been some so many games this year where they've just been been sleepwalking and I feel like at some point that you sleepwalk you're like when that's your mo, you're likely to sleepwalk a little too far into a game and it catches up to you and bites you. Um, I don't know how TCU would do anything against them. Uh, you think personally. so? Yeah,
0: I worry about like the explosive offenses. Right. Like that's what I'm thinking for Georgia is you have to make big plays. You know, it's kind of like Michigan last week against Ohio State. That's not really their game. They just got put into that scenario because Ohio State just put everybody in the box and they just made a couple plays and all of a sudden they're up three touchdowns, right? I think teams like TCU and Ohio State and um and USC have that like offensive ability to put up 50 through the air. And I think Georgia just matches up well. Like I want to see Georgia
1: USC. I think that would be so fun.
0: I think that's what we're going to see. I think we'll see Michigan TCU and Georgia USC and um...
1: Georgia. Like, what do you think? Georgia USC just ends up being like when Alabama played Kyler in Oklahoma, where they all like the defense of USC so bad that like the. And the USC offense takes a few drives to ramp up and all of a sudden it's 21, nothing and USC can't get any stops. So the game's just over.
0: Yeah. I could see that happening. 100%, right? Like they get behind two, three touchdowns and then they start scoring, but it's always 35, 14, 42, 28. Like it's, they can never get that one stop to make it, to make it close. Um, I think that's a good point. I think anytime you have a Heisman trophy winner, you always have a shot against anybody and i think they have so much offensive talent that it'll be uh it, it there's a shot for them to keep it close but i i think you have to be a more well-rounded team to beat georgia
1: the the idea of like them having so off- so much offensive talent is it it's so frustrating right cuz they 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 are even think about what they've neutered Jordan Addison they've just boxed him into their wide receiver by committee bullshit where he's on not even on the field for all the snaps anymore. And he's not getting anything that's even representative of or close representative of an alpha target share. It's like, it's disgusting. I, um,
0: Do you think he regrets going to USC?
1: Probably. <laughs> Why? What has been good about it for him? Like, i like, I don't know what he prioritizes. Like if you wanted to go and win and go to the playoff, then probably not. Right. But, uh, it's not like the options were just stay at Pitt and go or go to USC. There were other options that like uh,
0: Alabama could have used them, I guess.
1: Yeah. He was looking at Texas, right? Uh, like Um Texas would have know.
0: been the same thing though. Probably. I think the, 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 the right decision would have been Bama. And maybe it's just because I like, they would have...
1: I like, I loathe Brendan Rice. Cause I think that he just, he gets so, so many targets on that offense and I'm convinced it's because He's of his of his last name and of his stature. He he's not. I don't. He to me is like one of those receivers that it's never gonna click altogether on the field. And he makes two or three dumb plays a game, and he's never he never gets penalized. they always put him back out there, and it, it usually ends up not mattering. But I don't know. I th- out, even outside of fantasy purposes, it's frustrating to just see USC running out seven eight receivers a game.
0: It makes absolutely no sense. There's so much talent. Uh, yep. I, Brendan Rice, to me, is hilarious because the way that their their coaches and players on the sideline react when he catches a pass is just amazing. They're just like, holy shit, he caught a ball. Let's clap. Like, wave the towel, <laughs> he actually caught. Yeah, it just is so weird to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Addison could have been used so much better. It would have been way more fun. And then he went there. He could have stayed at Pitt. And it probably would have been more fun to watch him play.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, it just sucks. What do you did you see? Uh, you obviously saw because you're addicted to this like I am, but what are your thoughts on uh Trent Dilfer at UAB?
0: <laughs> I think that's a joke, right?
1: I listened to a UAB podcast. I mean, I think it's
0: real, friend. but I think it's a joke to hire him is my I mean what is it, he coaches like a like a private school, right?
1: Yeah, in Tennessee.
0: It's so ironic. So
1: that he, they were three nineteen in the two years before him, and he he's turned them around to thirty two and ten the last four years or something like that. Uh, the uh, and the idea right is that he's got all this uh, track record with Elite Eleven. He uh, I, I I assume there's some name cachet. The one of the ideas is hey we're moving to the AAC, like he will be able to recruit at a ridiculous level relative to the competition because of his experience in the high school ranks, not just coaching, but like the elite 11 stuff and all the connections he's made and stuff like that. Uh, And then also supposedly this is just from like a UAB podcast. I was listening to like money is not super important to him. So I'm interested to see what the contract terms look like because he has so much and made so much money throughout his career. So that, that like financial considerations, probably positive uh, as well for, for the school. the, The angle that came to me that I wonder, how it plays out in reality is so that the only bowl game that you can bet right now on FanDuel is the bahamas bowl the U- uab and miami ohio the spread when i first saw it was like nine or nine and a half it's up to ten and a half now with uab being favored and this feels to me like either i'm trying to get out ahead of a mass exodus of UAB kids. Did you see that letter they wrote where they like threatened basically saying like, if you don't hire the interim coach to full time, we're all out of here. So what if that yeah. happens? Like I, I assume Dwayne McBride is worth a point, point and a half on his own on the spread. And he's probably just declaring, right? We assume you've got him in your, little, in the spreadsheet, you've got him declaring. So he, I doubt he's playing in the bowl game. And what if other starters start to leave because they're so upset that, UAB hired this supremely unqualified person to be their head coach instead of the person that they uh, really liked and wanted to be head coach. What is that going to do to the line? We see this stuff happen every bowl season in terms of player, it, important players not playing and impacting the not the line a lot of times not as much as it should, but then impacting the on-field result of the game, paramountly. I don't know if that's a word, paramountly, Um, but for like that's one of the things that I personally love about bowl season. How much the way that that the game actually plays out does not represent what we saw throughout the duration of the season, because I think that is opportunity to take advantage of from an informational perspective. And this is the first example that of it that I'm trying to take advantage of, like. No way do I think that all things are, if this was just like a week 14, week 13 game, would I want to bet Miami, Ohio uh, plus 10 and a half against UAB, uh, right? Like that, that, that doesn't make any sense, but we have a lot, we have a decent amount of time leading up to December 16th for a lot to happen. And even though Gabbert's gone right from Miami, Ohio, I still think that the amount of things that will happen for both of those teams leading up to that game, a lot more negative things are likely to happen to UAB than they are to Miami, Ohio. And that spread moving in favor of UAB right now, like I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I at all am a smart line, like team, what do you you call it? Spread betting person, because that's not how I like to make money most of the time. But I think bowl season does represent an opportunity to actually, for me to take advantage of, some uh some spread betting in this case uh in this case representing one of those opportunities
0: well i think i mean mcbride i if you talk to people that do the whole you know betting and that's like their gig i think they'd say that running backs don't matter like yeah that's why i said like speaking to the spread um i would say also regarding uab it's all it's all fine and dandy you know it's all cool to be like yeah if he's if he's not hired, then we're out. Like the whole Rudy thing, put the the this the jersey on the desk. But if you're like the third running back and the other two guys are like, we're out of here. It's like, well, maybe I get to play in the Bahamas Bowl and give myself a shot at like making the team, you know, being the starter next year or, you know, maybe they can transfer based off of how they performed. So I don't know how much I believe that stuff, but I was... I find it very ironic that people were like hating on Dilfer for that clip of him like pushing the kid, the high school kid. You remember? Have you seen that clip? No, I haven't seen it. Basically, a kid did something. He like disobeyed. I don't know. He he was basically Dilfer was disciplining him by like kind of pushing him and like obviously yelling at him. And what I find very ironic about it is. You, we talked about it last week or the week before that Michigan coach. That's now the Charlotte coach. Like I read that athletic article about him. Um yeah. And they like praise him for doing the exact same thing. Like the article <laughs> is like, he did this to him and now the kid, you know, the kid listened to him forever and ever and loves him and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it was very uh, funny timing for me to read that and then see this, this hiring. But Mac typically stinks in bowl games, right? Like, I Sir, get the do whole you, like do you, you know. Remember,
1: do you not remember what the first bowl game of last year was?
0: I mean, it was the Bahamas Bowl, right?
1: Was it? I can't. I can't remember if it was that, but it was. It. You know what? It must have been because it's the same conferences. It was. I guess you're right. Yeah, Mac, because it was Mill Tennessee and Toledo, and Toledo was awful, and Mill Tennessee won. So, your point is a good one. I I thought for I um relative to what the I I was gonna make make the point that Mac, the Mac showed up, but I was misremembering. Uh, yeah. That's the, that's the idea, right? That the Mac isn't necessarily great in bowl games, So I get it. Um, I, but I don't know. My, my hope here is that is general unrest and rebellion within the UAB program. And if I could help like that, that target, if I could like that match in any way, I'm here for it. I'm here to do it. Break
0: down the U program yourself for a fifty dollars. <laughs> Miami If, anyone plus ha- 10 if and half I can
1: reach out to some some key personnel there, and we can uh, what and uh, have you seen Andor? I
0: don't think so.
1: You don't watch Star Wars stuff? No. No. All right. I'm not
0: a, I'm not a sci-fi guy. That's you fair. Can, I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big sci-fi guy. I'm not a big Marvel guy.
1: That's that's totally fair, but I am I'm, I'm happy to kind of write the the manifesto for the UAB rebels and like and help them uh help them kickstart their uh,
0: <laughs> their rebellion. Is there are there two teams that you'd like to see matched up in the bowl game? Like, and are there two offenses or two teams that would be like really fun to see? I was looking, so it's funny. Yes, um, I was looking at yesterday
1: at uh, bowl projections and. I was curious to see what sap who South Carolina was projected to get matched up with because I've started to theorize the like the as if my street cred couldn't go any more into the ground the idea that uh, Spencer Rattler could be the number one pick this year based on the last two games based on the idea that for the first year and a half of his the first two years of his college career he was number one pick quality he was the he was the betting favorite or he was the like the idea was he was going to be the first overall pick after his junior year for so long right so the tools are there the sentiment was there what more could he have possibly done the past two weeks to kind of revive that sentiment um so I'm trying to figure out if that's at all possible because he's 100 to one right now on DraftKings, and I've started to light a little bit of money on fire on it. I'll probably do some more if I can get any, if I can find anything at all that gives it a little bit of credence. So, but
0: like in this draft, yeah, in the NFL draft, yeah. I mean, even if he was considered a first rounder, he's not topping Bryce Young, right? So that's pretty much that.
1: That's you don't think that. People are considering Will Levis a top five pick, and he's never had Anthony
0: a- Richardson. So I'm not against Rattler as a first or rounder, or I, you know, I ha- know. All right, but let's break but- it down a
1: little bit. We have, I have like 30 minutes to talk about this. No, does anyone have better tools than Rattler in the draft?
0: Well, I think tools are where like Caleb Williams and like
1: Caleb's not in this draft though.
0: Oh, right, 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 right. Um, I, I mean, I guess they could. You could compare between Stroud and and Young. Stroud,
1: I think, I Stroud, suppose. in my opinion, is not comp- comparable from a tools perspective, and
0: I don't. I think a tools perspective, it's probably close. You know, he, you look at the toolsy raw guys like Levis and Richardson, right? Those are the toolsy guys.
1: Does Levis even have tools? <laughs> I like I. I don't know. Ra- like it, it isn't that hard to see. Mahomes tools in Rattler in my opinion like he—he he, we've talked about before he has he has the same baseball type throw so does Young it's the, like it is so aesthetically pleasing to watch them throw because it's just that it's that baseball shortstop type throw and that yeah, like you can break you get like if you're trying to be one of those uh, one of those boomer NFL GMs you know that they're looking for every reason to rip Young apart for being like five foot nine or whatever he is so and Rattler just put on tape two of the most absurd game games possible that you could want from like a film perspective. So we've seen it play out in reality and he's, we know he's got the tools and he's got the pedigree and he's got the previous sentiment that just needs to be revived. i like, I, I don't know. It's a dream to some degree, right? Probably to a large degree, but so anyway, let's backtrack. So I was curious to see who South Carolina is projected to play in a bowl game. Cause I was like, Oh, all right, that it's being ramped up. This the draft the, the 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 idea is being ramped up, but like, who does have? Is he going to get like a nice runway in the way of a bowl game, or who's he projected to play? And I was like, mother effer, he's get like he's projected to play Illinois, which is like, oh, that is not a game script for like uh, an absolute feast from a uh, from uh, and uh, just putting on like uh, just destroying some middle of the pack defense. But
0: so you're the- looking for. You're looking for a tough opponent that he can destroy. So what I'm to looking really for is,
1: so there's two new year's day games that are projected sec big 10. The, the one that Ra- the Rattlers are projected for right now is Illinois, South Carolina in the rely quest bowl, the outback bowl, if you will. And then there's the other one. I forget what it is, but it um, it's LSU and Purdue. I want Purdue and South Carolina. Because then we could get the the Tennessee Purdue game from last year in the bowl game. That would be fun. for Rattler this year, and then Rattler goes number one.
0: You never know because of off and like guys just boom up for no reason. But I think you have I think you have it right. I think you need like a high like a high scoring game that gets crazy. I, the only thing I would say is if he can get like a really good opponent, like a really good defense. To then like he did it against Clemson, now he's doing it against another really good defense. Your only way to number one is if he goes crazy and he does it against a respected team. It's my thought.
1: I don't know if people think about it that way. You're, you're not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just have no idea. Like what? What do you think is? If you had to pick, would you rather? Would you rather? If you could pick for South Carolina, would you rather? rather set him up against illinois or against purdue in terms of like okay i'm trying to set him up for the best paths number one
0: it's got to be purdue yeah i think so illinois screams like 21 14 you know like slow couple picks or or you know because it you know chase brown probably not going to play or let's say he doesn't play Like, how good is Illinois offensively then? And then all of a sudden it's 35-3 to and, you know, Juju McDowell has three touchdowns. Oh, it is, for sure. But I'm just, I'm wondering, where's the path to you need a tight game that's not slow? And I don't, I think Illinois is the one you would want to avoid there, for sure, between the two. I don't know if there's one that, that screams out at me. I just typically like to see the most random of teams play each other. Like, give me give me like Air Force, Penn State type stuff. Like, have, has this team ever played each other before? Like, just like complete opposite styles of offense. Um, and I'm trying to think of like the specific teams I like to watch. Just, I don't want to, I don't know. We'll see. I think uh, a, I'm a variety, bummed. I hate repeat matchups is, is a bummer. Like how many times yeah. do we need to see Wisconsin play Georgia type situations in the Outback Bowl? But I'd like to avoid that.
1: I'm pretty bummed that, our Christmas Eve bowl, we have to deal with San Diego state. Like, I don't want to see,
0: are they locked into the Hawaii yeah. bowl? Uh, I know see, that's the opposite of what I want for a Hawaii bowl. Yeah. yeah. They're it's playing middle Tennessee.
1: Want. They're playing middle Tennessee. I think so. It, it could like Jalen Maiden's been kind of fun. They, they just scored. Didn't they just score zero points in their last game or something though? Didn't they get shut out? Like, I don't know. It's not, that's not, really what we're looking for in that ball game though we're looking for an over under of like 64 and both teams kind of just basketball and grass type deal
0: yep yeah that's the only other one that's determined it seems like yeah well i think we'll have fun with it on sunday there's a 50 million bowls real quick thoughts on five and seven teams getting in the into a bowl game did you see that there's not enough qualified teams to make bowl games so a couple of five and 17 i'm here i'm here for it.
1: what i don't want to have happen is
0: when i tell you the teams that are like priority of who would get it you're not going to be here for it it's, <laughs> it's like it's michigan state auburn georgia tech are three of the top ones that would be in consideration
1: yeah but the alternative is the bowl game doesn't happen which that's is like a re- they, like that's a real thing that gets discussed right that that like, they invent bulls sometimes out of nowhere when uh, they need to for because more teams qualified, but they also would get rid of them if not enough teams were possible for a bowl game. So, we can't have that. We need all the games that we can, can, that we can get. So, if we have to deal with, like, uh, one of those teams in a bowl game, it's fine. I'll live with it.
0: I would prefer not Michigan State, I think. Auburn yeah. would be bad too because they have, um, you know, Tank's not playing that game. Tank's not playing a five and seven bowl and game. And you
1: know, Freeze isn't going to actually coach. So we like it's exciting. To, the idea of seeing Robbie Ashford in Freeze offense is very exciting, but it's not. We're not going to see it. Um, do you
0: think you're right. do you think he's a good fit for that offense? I think he's not a good enough thrower. I think he needs to be think, a little I don't bit understand better. Understand
1: what a Hugh Freeze offense is anymore after this past year with whatever they were doing at Liberty, like just not allowing Salter to do anything cool. And like the, the only time the offense seemed to work really was Jonathan Bennett. That dude has been around subbing into games for Malik Willis and for forever. And he's always been God awful. And now he went through like a month stretch where he was like leading them against upsets against quality teams. But I don't know. I I don't really understand what the freeze offense is supposed to be anymore after after the season. It, it was it was a super weird weird year, but still, Ashford's got skills, so it it could be fun.
0: He's a great runner. I mean, I'm just I'm curious if the, if he goes to the portal, you know? Yeah. I don't think like if you were to get Malik Cornsby, it feels like the same exact thing, right? Like except. Malik's a better runner, but I think he's also a worse passer, probably, right?
1: Yeah, you can't he can't throw. But that's I'm fine with that at the G5 level.
0: Jeff Jeff Sims?
1: Oh, think Jeff R- Sims
0: R- could be in a Hugh Freeze offense. I mean, I did find it funny that Hugh Freeze took a reject Auburn quarterback and made him, you know, what he was. Yeah. <laughs> Always fun to think about. But
1: but yeah. getting back to the bowl game itself, do you remember when it was Dykes' so it was the year that Dykes got hired to SMU. He like he got hired in bowl season, but then didn't coach the bowl game but kind of chilled on the sideline and they let Ben Hicks be the OC in addition to being the quarterback. Do you remember this? Uh
0: that was that was the Hawaii Bowl, wasn't it?
1: No, I don't think so. Maybe okay. maybe you're right, but I mean it was a disaster. They they lost by they lost by like thirty points. Uh, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that is always, uh, fun about bowl season, right? That, uh, when we, there's some, all the impacts of the turnover that we see at the coaching ranks and at the player level and how that bears out on the field. That's one of the things that I love most.
0: Uh, I will tell you a game that I remember that just was absolute batshit crazy was, uh, that UNC Baylor game. Oh my God where one of the running backs ran for like 300 and he hit a thousand yards like on the dot Johnny Jefferson, Johnny Jefferson. So that, that game needs to
1: be, I think about it all the time uh, because I, I got it. I got it pretty wrong from a DFS perspective. And I just remember that slate being so fun. Like me and my buddies, we like to try and like go out in New York city and uh, near the end of the year and just get, get fired up. Uh, Like bowl games are on. It's always a fun time. Uh, If you catch like one of those, those like all day slash night slates in the middle of the week. So we were out for that, that game. And uh, while some other games were going on too, it was great. Uh, But I think about that game all the time from the perspective of that game needs to be the playbook for if you're down your quarterback, like this is what you need to do with your offense. Like they were down Seth Russell and the other kid, uh, Chris, what was his name? Chris Johnson. He played, but he like barely played. Uh, like they, they, they played him for like 20% of the snaps and then they were just doing wild shit uh, on the, on the field. Uh, but that's, yeah, that same with um,
0: that's what happened with the LSU came to state bowl game last year. Remember the quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks were out. And then it was this John Trey Kirkland receiver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I found, by the way, I found that game you were talking about SMU. You're correct. It's the Frisco bowl. Um, This is 2017, I think. A couple good names in here. One throwback name, which we all thought would be like this superstar CFF player, Jamar Smith, played in that game. Remember him?
1: Oh, Mike's boy.
0: Mike's boy. Uh, Boston Scott was the running back, the now Eagles (laughs) running back, and then Cortland Sutton was on the other team. And it was a 51 to 10 Louisiana Tech win. So (laughs) did not work out well for him. But yeah, I think you're right. Like I think that's like the just a straight. This is what you do. You don't have a quarterback anymore. You go shotgun. You do some motion. You have a guy next to you, and you just make it happen. You just do a wild okay. cut the entire time. But, well, we're looking forward to Sunday night. We'll uh, make sure everybody's aware and knows what's going on with it, and we'll uh, we'll chat about the bowl games as they come on. And uh hope you guys enjoyed today, and enjoy the uh, championship game weekend. See you guys.